Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And one of our very favorite things to do on the show is to introduce you to uh, missionaries and pastors uh, who've been influential among the churches within our fellowship. And, and so this week, I'm really excited about introducing you to Pastor Randy Foster of Heartland Baptist Fellowship in Harrisonville, Missouri. Uh, you're going to really enjoy his story. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be edifying to you. Uh, but he's also involved with a ministry that we've talked about on the show before, Word First Publishing uh, is a ministry out of Harrisonville and out of his church that focuses tons of energy on Bible propagation. So they're, they're printing, they are binding, they are producing Bibles to send all over the world in all different translations for all different purposes. And he is a major part of that work. And uh, I'm excited about you hearing from him today. And so with that, I want to introduce Pastor Randy Foster. Good to have you, man. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you for bringing me along and being a part of the podcast. It's really, I'm excited for it. I want, I want you to start by just sharing your testimony with us. I, I've known you from a distance. I knew your son growing up mm-hmm. in ministry at Kansas City Baptist Temple. and, and um, But I didn't really know you or what God was doing in you until uh, he sent you to the field. And... Um, So I want to hear your story just about salvation, how Christ brought you to the place uh, where you were ready to answer the call and and, uh, follow him wherever he had you go. I I like telling this story, actually, because I I want to give credit to a lot of people that were involved in in uh, in me coming to Christ. Mm. But when I was a young man, when I was when I was growing up, we didn't go to church. My dad was in the military. We moved around way more than we should have. I like to tell people that before I graduated from high school, I went to 21 different schools. Uh, some, sometimes, some years, four different schools in one school year. Oh, my gosh. So we moved a lot because of his, his requirements to move. Um, so we didn't go to church much. We couldn't get established in a home church or family church, any place at all. Uh, my family is historically Baptist, and that's what they would claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that didn't mean anything to me. And... Uh, I had a, it wasn't that I ever, uh, you know, it's not that I didn't believe in God or who Jesus Christ was. I mean, I understood, not that I understood doctrine, but I understood, you know, what Christmas was about. It was about the birth of Jesus. I understood that Easter was about the death of Jesus, but I didn't know what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, I joined the Navy, so we traveled a lot in the military while I was in the service. And, and then uh, when I got out of the service, we settled in Illinois for about five years, went to college. Um, and then got a chance to move back to Kansas City. This I consider this home. It's not where I was born, but uh, I do consider this home. This is where I was at when when I met my wife. Mm. And uh, and so we moved back. She went to work for a company that was called Marion Labs at the time, and uh, she was a, a systems analyst, programmer type person. Mm-hmm. And uh, she met a lady that you're all familiar with, or many of you are familiar with. She met Deb Mulder. Mm-hmm. They worked in the same building. They, uh, and Deb was a, instrumental in Julia yeah. starting to go to a Bible study, uh, okay. lunchtime Bible study. Deb's been on this show before, so yeah, we've, we've Deb, interviewed her. Yeah, Deb is, Deb is uh, she actually led Julia to Christ. Wow. In, this, in lesson two of discipleship. Wow. And, uh, and so that Bible study that she was going to, well, let me back to me. First off, when I found out she was going to a Bible study, just I was livid. Because even though I, yeah, there's a God, but I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. And so I was livid because I you called thought it was going to mess up your family dynamic. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I found out she was, she was, so that was one day. Well, I don't know what day of the week it was. And then I you know, came by and said, hey, let's go to lunch. I'm doing a Bible study. Another one? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it was discipleship, but that's, that's what happened. And so it frustrated me. I was angered about it. And she wanted me to start going to church. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go to church. I don't want anything to do with church. Well, we lived in Lansing, Kansas, mm. and we started going to Kansas City Baptist Temple. This is a 50-mile drive one way. Wow. And uh, You she, must really loved her to I did. get in the car and do that. <laughs> I still do love her. <laughs> and yeah, um, so, okay, we'll go to church. And we went, and uh, we started going consistently, but it wasn't a pleasant experience to go. I'll tell you, I, was, I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want my kids to go. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved her, and so, okay, we'll go. And uh, so she, because she got saved, I like to tell people, 
uh, that Julie was a covert witness because mm-hmm. she would leave tracks and booklets laying around all over the living room. <laughs> and I, I would pick them up when nobody was around and I'd look at them and throw them down when somebody comes in. And um, there was a little booklet um, that basically was about the rapture. And I read that and it scared me to death. Mm. And I went up to, we were painting our son's bedroom and she was doing the trim work. And so I went in and I said, Julie, I think I need to get saved. Mm. And she just completely clammed up. I got mad. I was like, fine. If you don't want me to get saved, then I won't do anything. So I got up and left and I was mad. And two days later or three days later, I had to go to work. I got called out in the middle of the night, the type of job I did. I was on call 24 hours a day. So Mm. I had to go to work. And on my way home at uh, I-70 and 18th Street, I remember exactly where I was at. I did, I couldn't even stop. I just said, God, please save me. Wow. And he did right there on the highway at 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. So that, that was the, the point of salvation. Uh, and then uh, I was invited to be discipled, and I told the guy, no, I don't need that. I've, I'm saved now. It's all I need. Yeah. I'm fine. I knew that it wasn't something I wanted to do. I didn't want to devote the time. So six months later, hey, would you disciple me? Mm-hmm. And he said yes, and so we we went through discipleship together, and then discipleship two, and Bible Institute, and you were hooked. Have you always been pretty studious? No, no, not at all. I'm not a, I'm not a studious person at all. I wouldn't consider myself that at all. It's just the preaching and the teaching at the church was so compelling that I couldn't sit still. I yeah. couldn't not engage. I couldn't take up the challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to do something. I had to go, uh, I had to learn how to, to communicate the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that I've, I just felt motivated to, to be somebody who would share the Word of God with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so after discipleship, after how to disciple, after a discipleship too, I went on a discipleship trip to Alaska. Yeah, that was pretty common back then was to introduce yeah. other churches to a biblical discipleship philosophy. Yeah. I actually went on three of them. Okay. Uh, one actually to Belt to uh, Raytown, or I'm sorry, to Belton, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I don't remember the name of the church. And then two times we went to Alaska mm. and uh, it was really good, but God spoke to me there. He gave me a verse uh, out of Timothy first. I think it was first Timothy, first Timothy one twelve, that uh, basically Paul's Paul said it. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And that just like hit me with a ton of bricks. I was like, mm. He put me into the ministry. What does that mean? And from that point, that's when I started pursuing serving the Lord more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an incredible experience to get that word from God. Yeah. That he's counted me. I mean, I wasn't worthy of being counted faithful. And you always think about faithfulness towards God, not God's faithfulness towards me. Right. So it was like, that's really humbling. Yeah. And it's just an incredible thought that God would count me faithful and he would trust me with his word. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I did everything I could to, to follow up on that. Um, I led a, uh, an evangelistic ministry for several years. We called it Backyard Astronomy Club. You oh, yeah. remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, we did... Uh, with the Gospel in the Stars presentation. Yeah, basically, yeah, we would go, we would do 20 to 25 presentations in the summertime. And, and uh, of course, they'd have to wait till after dark mm-hmm. <laughs> to see anything. Um, but that was where I really kind of cut my teeth in, in like preaching, if you would, mm-hmm. you know, presentations. And uh, we had a we had an awesome team. We traveled all over the place. We went to Colorado, went to Southern Missouri, went to Illinois. and Mainly to like neighborhoods and like, who were the people that you were targeting? Kids and families, I suppose. Right? Mostly was neighborhoods. You know, we would share the gospel, share people, share with people what God created. Yeah. You know, and uh, sometimes we would go. Uh, I remember one time we went down to the plaza, set up a telescope, and uh, just let people look. Yeah, that's and, cool. You know, uh, there's them. a lot of people who aren't really familiar with this this idea. It was really po- kind of a popular thing in the ni- '90s and early was, early 2000s. Yeah. What's what's the most profound thing that you can see in the this in the stars, in terms of picture types? What, like, what's your favorite thing to talk about when when you're looking up at the stars and, and sharing the gospel? What's the most powerful thing? I like to I like to look at uh, nebulas 
which is the gas, the gaseous uh, remains of a star that's exploded. Mm. I like to look at that because they're just really cool looking. And, uh, you know, they, they speak about, I think they speak about God and, and how, he, how he worked and how he accomplished things, how he brought elements together and, and produced, create, he created out of all of that. I mean, he created everything. There's nothing mm-hmm. that was not created that is created by, by anybody but him. And so it's just kind of a picture of how all of that kind of ties together because you can use that to, to bring, okay, this is where this came from and that's how it all, and compressed and God mm-hmm. put his power, put it all together. Wow. So that's one of the things I like to show people. Yeah, that's then great. There's galaxies, but yeah. um, we had a truck for a while that had a, the top that would, the top would roll open. Oh, cool. We stick the telescope through, we call it our, our mobile observatory. That's great. It was a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. So I want to hear about the call to missions, though, because that's such a difficult thing for people when they're wrestling with exactly where you're at, where the ministry is ramping up and your identity is, is changing. You're no longer what you do as a career. You're no longer who you are just as a father or a person in your community. Like everything becomes ministry. It's all that you can see. You've caught the bug. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, uh, so... Because of the the Bible or the you know the backyard astronomy club, because of doing that and then going to eight uh, to a shepherd school, which mm-hmm. was what they called the Bible Institute, there it was a four year program, uh, and uh, uh, I went through that. I didn't really have a plan. You know, a lot of people are like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a church planter and then mm-hmm. go to, go to school to learn. And I just I, I just what's the next step? What's the next step? Yeah. What do, what do I need to do next? And so I've done discipleship and how to disciple discipleship too. I've discipled people, some good, some bad, some you know mm-hmm. some of them it doesn't work out. It's right. always disappointing. But yeah. but um, I'm like, well, what's next, Lord? And after I got back from a, from one of those trips to Alaska, God says, just tell people about me. Mm-hmm. It's, that's all I got out of it. Just tell people about me. And well, I need to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's when I enrolled. And I went, and so after, right about the time I was getting ready to graduate, we, our church became in, uh, connected with a missionary in the country of Belarus. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, God just spoke to me, you need to go to Belarus. So I went and talked to our missions pastor immediately after they talked about a trip going. I think Pastor Sam Miles was on that trip. I was actually on that trip with yeah, Sam, okay. and Alan Shelby was there, and David Neville, and I think a couple of the guys. Yeah. Well, there were several other guys. I don't remember all of them. But uh, when I was there... Um, I went on that trip, and I immediately knew that this is where I needed to be. I mm-hmm. just needed to be in Belarus. I don't know why, you know, but that's where I went. So God gave me this verse. I want to share this verse with you. Yeah, please. Uh, this is the one that really com- 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 convinced me that I needed to to step up even more, other than uh, you know being being faithful. He, God said in Isaiah chapter fifty, verse four, mm. and I was reading this on our way home from Belarus. He says in verse four, the Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to them that is weary. He waketh morning by morning. He waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. Mm. It's like, okay, I'm not a teacher. I'm not really educated and trained up on that kind of stuff. But God is saying he's given me the mouth of the learned to speak to people. And it's like, well, I got to come back to to Belarus. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I did, Julie and I did, we went back later that year, uh, we arrived in Belarus on September 9th, 2001. Okay. Uh, two days later, September 11th. And, uh, I remember thinking we were talking at the time there was, there was a lot of Americans there. Sam Miles was there. Um, I don't, I don't remember how many people there, but mm-hmm. there was quite a few. And, um, I remember thinking, well, are we going to go home now? Do we do is that? It? Will we go home, and then I'd like. Well, missionaries aren't leaving. They're not going to pack up and go home because this happened in the world. I mean, the world is going to change because of this. That doesn't mean the missions changed, right? So I committed. Then I'm staying here, and we did. We stayed for three and a half months. Uh, our goal at that time was to work with the missionary to help plant church. Get us like a what we call it HBF now. We call it a seed plant. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a pastor. We didn't have a church planter, but we kind of planted a seed. Yeah. So we would go door to door every single day, knocking on doors and witnessing to people. And if and if they would come to the Bible study that we were going to have on the, the following Saturday, we would give them a whole Bible. Mm-hmm. So this is where I got ex- 
experience about passing out the word yeah. in written form. Right. And uh, and so the um, the, the we would start this Bible study. That was our goal: was to see this get planted and and started. We would turn it over to a national mm-hmm. so that they could go for go forward with it. And uh, but that was when we came home. I was like. I, okay, I've got to go back. I've got to go back. And I kept talking to my pastor and talking to my missions pastor. You got to send me back. I want to go to Belarus. I want to go back to Belarus. That wasn't working out. And it wasn't, it just, the door was closed. Okay, well, I'll go to Ukraine. I met a missionary that was in Ukraine at the time. I think he's passed away now. But I was like, okay, well, that works. For some reason, God was just speaking to me, or I thought he was, speaking to me about going to a a Slavic-speaking country. Mm -hmm. But it just didn't happen. And then after about a year, my missions pastor says, well, why don't you go and see this missionary in Zambia? Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> wasn't on like my the, radar. You don't like the heat? It just wasn't on my radar. It's <laughs> right. just, you know, I mean, Completely I was, I was focused on going to East Euro, Eastern European countries. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, but, you know, um, I learned early on as a young Christian uh, then God speaks to you through His Word. God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to you through your leadership. Mm-hmm. And my leadership was saying, I need you to consider going and seeing this missionary. It's like, well, okay, they're speaking. I at least ought to follow what they're saying. Yeah. I got to Africa, and it, it, Belarus kind of fell away, <laughs> <laughs> and Zambia became my heart. Mm. And it was, and the music is what got me the singing, the people, the heart. That they were singing with captured my heart. Wow! And uh, so uh, I kept telling myself, "Don't say it! Don't say it! Don't say you're going to Africa! Don't tell people you're going to Africa! Don't even tell Julie you're going to Africa! Just say, let's just consider it." Mm-hmm. Oh, that changed quick. Yeah, you know what was she saying when you came home talking about it? And she was apprehensive, but she was she would follow me no matter where I went. Yeah, she's always been like that. She's just. She's she's a she's a great partner in the ministry, a great wife, a great mother. Uh, if if uh, if I said we were going to Antarctica, she would say, "Okay, mm. let's go." Yeah, uh, it may be hard, but it was wonderful know. though to yeah. have that kind yeah. of so, support. Uh, so we followed. We went back again the following summer. We went for a couple of weeks, and uh, and so that was that was the commitment that we made. We're going back to Africa, and it didn't take long. We probably weren't even a year before we were on the ground. Wow. So what did that work look like once you ended up in, in Zambia? I, I remember distinctly at KCBT them announcing it and, and yeah. sending you out. Um, but but what was it like on the ground and, and working with uh, the pastors? And, and so our, so we kind of, our role when we first, when we got there, primarily the reason that we needed to go to Africa was there was a missionary on the ground uh, who had... Uh, he dealt with mission uh, with malaria many times, mm-hmm. and he his doctor was like, "You need to leave Africa." So, not that we replaced him, but that's kind of what we did. We filled his shoes for, yeah. the, for the time that we could, and so there was a there was a lot of ministry already happening. Mm-hmm. Um, what they wanted me to do was oversee the Bible Institute mm-hmm. that we trained national pastors in. It was a four year school, uh, three year school. Sorry, we actually went through the summers. Okay. So it was a three-year school, pretty much the same as LFBI and, mm-hmm. and HBI, what we teach at our church. Yep. And um, and so uh, I, I ran, I oversaw that. Julie helped me with that, being a, a programmer. She she put together a database to kind of keep track of the grades and mm-hmm. the, you know, the classes and all of that kind of stuff, which was really helpful. We actually still use that today. Wow. But um, the ministry was, was expansive. There was... Uh, they had already, by the time I got there, there were already hun- probably over 120 churches that the ministry had some way of working with. And so every Sunday, I'd, I'd load up the, the truck and put a bunch of students in the back of the truck, and we would go to a different church. Every Sunday, I would go to a different church to visit them all, I'd try to visit them as many of them To support as I the could, local pastors. And support the pastors and support the people and encourage mm-hmm. the people. And... Um, and so it was. It was just a lot of work, but it was encouraging. And I I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. All the things you think about driving through you know muddy rivers and and uh, you know back country. I mean, there was many times we were following a road that turned into a path that turned into just a space between two trees. Mm. You know, we we're trying to drive through things and try to find you know 
many times. Do you know this church? How do you get there? Go that way. <laughs> so we'd go that way. We get some plane. How do you do you know this church? Yeah. How do you get there? Go that way. Wow. You know, and so we we'd always show up, and there was times that we would show up because of the the distance and the, and getting lost. We we're supposed to be at church at eleven. We didn't get to church until one thirty. Sure. And they're just still waiting for us. Wow. You could not go. You could well, say, well, we can't get there. You and have in some to go. of these cases, too, uh, people are walking for hours and hours to get to, to the church that they're going yeah. to that week. So if you don't show up, they're all right. disappointed. So you have to be there. Yeah. And then to get there, and then they're singing, and they're welcoming you, and they're just so happy, and bigger smiles on their face, and everybody just... Yeah. It's like, I mean, if we didn't come... They'd have been so disappointed. Mm-hmm. So we always went, no matter what, no matter how hard it was, we always went. How do you how do you feel like your childhood in terms of the transients and the moving around, um, how much did that help you in terms of making decisions about missions? Like your your roots didn't run so deep into any one place that you couldn't just say, Hey, you know what? Zambia, why not? Let's go. For a lot of people, that's re- those kind of decisions are really difficult to make. Yeah, I probably didn't really think too much about it, but yeah, that's a that's a good question because uh, I mean, part of my journey as a, as a child, we lived in Okinawa mm. for two years, you know, uh, Japanese territory yeah. at the time, right after World War II. And so the um, the being being in another country didn't bother me as much as it might bother other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, still, packing up and moving is always hard, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, because you were leaving time, your kids behind, too. I had two sons. Both of them were teenagers. Uh, one is one was finished with college. One was in college. Uh, so it was still hard to even pack up and leave them. It was mm-hmm. hard for them for, for us to see us go. Right. And uh, big decision. Yes. So you are you're training pastors. You're helping facilitate ministry work in their mm-hmm. local villages. You're visiting them regularly. Not that that's not enough work, but you were living on a, like a compound right at yes. the time, and there were people that lived there that you ministered to as well. What was that like? Yeah, there was what we would call a compound, a mission mm-hmm. compound, and there was uh, there was homes that were there were there built by missionaries prior to us coming. Okay, the, the mission actually goes back to I believe 1905. Wow! So um, it was started by a missionary by the name of uh, Dokes, and he was a if I remember an Australian missionary, hmm. and um, and so he actually started started the mission station with the clinic, yeah. and so on. Uh, so we worked. We we had students that lived in a dorm. They were going to the Bible Institute. We had uh, villages all around us, and people would come to the door all the time asking for different kinds of help. Uh, it got it got to be almost uh, well. It was daily. You know, mm-hmm. somebody somebody's here to see you. They would always refer to Julie as as Mama Julie, mm. and so they always want to see Mama Julie. And and uh, you know, they 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 either wanted to. Uh, uh, get get you know help us with with finances that they need or something that they food or medical things medical lot, yeah. things all kinds of stuff yeah. and uh, a lot of donations that had there Julie sorted out all of the the donations that had come in so mm-hmm. um, there was a, there was for a while we were giving away shoes and and shirts and different things like that so they wow. would come and get help and yeah so. How long were you in Zambia before you left? So we were there pro- almost three full years. Okay, um, and uh, it was hard for us to come home. It, it really was not something that that uh, we anticipated. Uh, I, I fully believed that I was where God wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but changes there were changes in the ministry. One of the changes was consideration: should we move uh, not to another country, but to another location in Zambia? And um, so I, I kind of resisted the concept of that because I really believed I was where God wanted mm-hmm. me to be, and um, until God had He direct until God directed me, I wasn't going to change. Right. So in in uh, January of two thousand eight, we came home. So let's come back. Let's let's go home, see the family, uh, and uh, let's regroup. Yeah. And let's figure out what we should be doing. So we did. We came home. We left the field. It was a difficult choice to leave the field. Uh, was um, uh, just just there's a lot of circumstances I don't want to get into, but sure. it, it was difficult to leave. Uh, but we came home, got counsel, sought the Lord's guidance and leadership. I went back. I think it was in October of that year. Mm-hmm. I went back. I spent a month, just me. Uh, Julie didn't go, 
and I traveled around the country and I thought, okay, let me see where I can find a place that, um, that I could set up another ministry or extension of the ministry we were with or whatever right. God wanted to do. And it became really obvious. And this is an amazing thing that some people don't, I don't think they think about it too much. Maybe they do, I don't know. But anyway, what I, what I started noticing was there's a lot of American missionaries in Zambia. Zambia is mm. not that big of a country. It's mm -hmm. probably not even as big as as uh, as Kansas or Missouri. It's mm -hmm. just not a big country. The population maybe at the time anyway 10 to 10 to 11 million people. Mm -hmm. And most of the people lived in a narrow band from the southern part of the country straight north. Uh, the eastern western halves very very uh, rural, very few people lived there, mm -hmm. not very many towns or anything. And most people congregated from the capital north and from the capital south to Livingston. And what I noticed was there's an awful lot of American of foreign missionaries here. And then the ministry that we were working in, I was like, well, I think we've accomplished what we're supposed to be doing. Started church, many churches, uh, pastoring, we taught pastors, we worked with pastors, we helped them get their churches started. That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? We're supposed to be helping nationals reach. In fact, mm -hmm. that was what I always like to tell. But we were training, training Zambians to reach Africans. Yeah. That was what we were doing. And it's like, we got 150 plus churches in this country that we are associated with directly as this ministry. And God was telling me, I think, I, I think they can reach the country. Yeah. You, one more American missionary wasn't going to make a big difference in reaching the country of Zambia. And God says, you need to stay home. Mm. That was hard. Mm. It was really hard. I'm like, there's got to be a better way, God. <laughs> he said, there is. He says, uh, go tell your, all your supporting churches that you're not going back to the field, and we'll, we'll find a place for you. Mm. So I did. Started telling all my church. I basically resigned as a missionary. Uh, I didn't know what the proper terms were, but sure. that's what I call it. Yeah. Uh, and let, let my church know that I'm not going back. And... Uh, let all my supporting churches know, and I let um, Heartland Baptist Fellowship know. And Pastor Brian, him and I had known each other for many years. We sure. served together in ministry together. We were both in the Bible Institute together. And I remember uh, he says, we were having lunch, me, him, and Julie. And he said, what would it take to get you to HBF? Mm. And I just kind of laughed. I said, an invitation. And then shortly, a few months weeks later, he gave me an invitation. He said, I need you to come to HBF. Wow. So I said, okay. And that's, wow. what, that's how I got there. So Pastor Brian, uh, he's been on the show before, and mm -hmm. people are familiar with him. And um, But I, in anticipation of you being here, I actually asked him, um, can, can you give me a few words about Randy that, that would des describe him? And I'm sure you love this. But he, uh, he said that faithfulness is the, is the best way of describing who you are. Um, he, actually, the way he put it was, well, he, he, he was in the Navy— but he's a soldier at heart and because he's he's just faithful to do the work of a soldier and which is what every pastor needs is is for the elders in his church to to be willing to step up when things are hard and just to be consistent and so that's the way he described you and and, and described your ministry Tell us a little bit about what you're doing at HBF and because um, you actually play a lot of different roles. I mean, we're going to kind of talk about the, the Bible publishing stuff, but mm -hmm. but you, you wear a lot of different hats I, at the I, church. I do wear a lot of hats. I like to describe them that way. Um, I'm actually the missions pastor. Mm -hmm. So that's my primary role and associate pastor of the church and, and over missions. I'm also, I don't like titles all that much, but I'm the dean of the Bible Institute. Mm -hmm. And that's actually why Brian, that was the primary reason that Brian invited me to come to, to HPF was to, because he knew that I was responsible for the Bible Institute in Zambia. And he said, I want you to come and start a Bible Institute at HPF. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I think I could do that. And uh, so that's what I did. We put it together. We actually, this fall, we're starting our 13th year of, of training. Wow. You know, we, we partner together even now. Yeah, we do. We share, we do help we share resources. We help with each other. It's wonderful. It is. It really is. It's good It's good that we have each other's back like that. Yeah. So you do a lot of teaching, too, though. I know that. I, so I, I see you Bible, up there lecturing. I have a Sunday school class, an adult Sunday school class that I teach. I call it Real Life. Mm -hmm. um, so I teach that every Sunday, uh, the Bible Institute. I'm responsible, I hate to say it, but I'm responsible for all the IT at the church. <laughs> uh, is that you or is that Julie? At no, it's, it's, it's mostly me as okay. far as the technical stuff, networking and stuff like that. I have a, I hate to say it, a background in that. Mm. Um, 
Uh, but uh, it's I ha I'm more self-trained than anything else, self-taught. Yeah. Lots of Google searches. A lot of Google searches. <laughs> I mean, like, well, our website, the church's website, when I first got there, was uh, written in a, in a package called Joomla. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like WordPress, but it's different. Right. And I said, oh, I know Joomla. And Brian says, okay, you got the website. I'm like, uh-oh. Yep. So, hey, that's how it works. That's yeah, how church yeah, goes. exactly. You don't volunteer yourself. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, so I've, so I have that role, and then there's other minor things sure. here and there and that I take care of. And I, I security, ushers, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, with um, the extra time you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we want to hear more about the publishing, though, because I think it has an immediate impact on the fellowship as a whole. Because you, what you guys are doing is a huge resource in terms of missions work. Yes, and 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 really ways in which churches in the fellowship can utilize scripture or get scripture that is um, specific to a particular mission or objective that they have in their community even. So maybe explain to us your vision for Word First Publishing and tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. Okay, so I want to I want to start kind of in the beginning of how, sure. we, how we got to where we're at um, because the history... I think I think churches need to understand the history of this, mm -hmm. and it would help them to know what their role should be involved. I think every church should be involved in the distribution of the Word of God. Yeah. So um, back in the fifties, there was a missionary in Mexico who was supported by a pastor out of uh, Texas, and I remember the, the, what state or where he was located. But that pastor went to visit him. He came back. He said, "You know what? He's got everything he needs except Bibles." To, to do his job. So we're going to make him buy, we're going to get him Bibles. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he contacted a Bible district, a Bible uh, um, society mm -hmm. uh, or a, a, distrib a distribution group. And he says, can you send Bibles to this missionary? I'll pay for them. You, you mail them. And that's what he did. And it didn't take long before he realized that they weren't shipping King James Bibles. Mm. They were shipping other versions. And he said, that's unsatisfactory. So he cut that off. And they ended up partnering with a church in Ohio, and the church in Ohio said, we'll print them and get them to you. And so that's what they started doing. So um, that's where Bearing Precious Seed became yeah. the ministry. I mean, a lot of people are probably familiar with, with that ministry. For the name, but the, yeah. but the history, I think, is really fascinating because mm -hmm. they, they saw a need that a missionary had. And so um, being a missionary myself on the field— both in Belarus and in Zambia, I've I've seen I've experienced both sides of it now. Uh, receiving a Bible, receiving a John and Romans, or any kind of scripture from the United States, and being able to take it in the language of the people that I'm ministering to at the time, and giving it to them in their mm -hmm. hands so they can read it. One of the times that we were in Belarus, we went to we were standing out in front of uh, Belarus truck or tractor factory. This is a massive tractor. It's like the John Deere of Belarus. Okay. And there was hundreds of thousands of people that worked there. And we were at the end of the shift, and the people were coming out. And we were standing there, me and two other people, and we were passing out John and Romans as fast as we could. I mean, people were—it was like just a flood of people. And when they were all done, we turned around and looked. There was not one John and Romans on the ground. Wow. Every part, everybody took it home and read it. Now, explain that, too, because I think there was a hunger for God's Word in that moment in time in a place like Belarus. Yeah. Uh, explain that the socio-political thing is surrounding that. that well, that Belarus is a what we would call a former Soviet bloc country, mm -hmm. uh, but it's still ran by a dictator. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the the primary religion of the country is is Russian Orthodox. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. My name is Melissa Wharton, and I am a discipler, Bible study leader, and LFBI student. I'm thankful for LFBI because while I'm a nerd and I love learning about things like history and Bible facts and the deep things of God, my professors always take us back to the simple truths of Scripture. Whether I'm in the Genesis class, servant leadership, or manuscript evidence, there's always something practical for me to take away and apply to my own personal walk with Christ, to my discipleship relationship, or to the girls I lead in Bible study. If you're a Bible study leader, counselor, or discipler, and you want to learn more about how to apply the Bible to your own life and your ministry, consider enrolling in LFBI classes today. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org support. 
So Baptists were considered a cult. Anything mm -hmm. that's not Russian Orthodox is a cult to begin right. with. And so for them to be able to have, actually to have a piece of, have a book, whether it's a John and Romans or a New Testament or whatever, that's pretty rare for mm -hmm. them to get it. And then to be able to read it in their own language was an incredible experience for them as well. We had all kinds of conversations with people on the street, uh, through a translator, of course, but uh, they uh, got a, they they got something that they had never had before, and it, and it just it just changed their life for them. Yeah. So there, and then of course in in, in Zambia and out in different countries in Africa as well, we were able to share like French Bibles and New Testaments uh, in in the Democratic Republic of Congo because that's mm -hmm. its French speaking country. Uh, uh, and and uh, Portuguese and Angola mm -hmm. and you know other countries like that. So we were able to to get Bibles and then give them out. So on both sides of it. So I was like, my church Heartland needs to experience that. Yeah. And so right after I came on staff there, about a year after, I went to a pastor's retreat in Tacoma, Washington. Okay. And there's there's a church. I didn't know anything about the church at the time, but they had their own. Bible ministry. Mm. They had a, they had machines. They had a building. They were making Bibles and shipping them out. There at the time, they were. I think they shipped forty thousand tracks to the Philippines. Wow! I came back. I said, Brian, we got to do this. I said, I don't know how to make it happen. We got to do this, and I would not let it go until mm. he said okay. And uh, and so we borrowed the equipment, and we did our first Bible conference in two thousand nine or two thousand ten, I think. Was nine was when I went there. So yeah, mm -hmm. 2010 is where we had our first Bible conference. And uh, that's kind of where it started from there. Mm. But the the idea of us being responsible to get the word to the to people that need it, uh, the building that we have now, I call it the armory. And I like to use the, the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. Mm -hmm. When Jonathan went, he said, let's go up and see what these Philistines will do. Right. And, and his armor bearer went behind him. And it's a cool story about what the armor bearer is about because David's the warrior. David's mm -hmm. the soldier. Well, the armor bearer literally is, hey, he's to bear the arms, mm -hmm. to carry all the extra you know, swords yeah. and knives and clubs and whatever he uses. Mm -hmm. So when David loses a sword, he turns around and reaches back and gets a sword from his armor bearer sure. and continues to fight. Yeah. Churches are armor bearers to missionaries. Mm-hmm. Missionary needs to reach back to a church, say, give me a Bible, give me a sword, give me a sword. Yeah. And a lot of times there's no sword there. Right. The missionary can't get a sword, so he can't minister. He can't, he can't communicate the Word of God in the language that he's ministering to. Mm -hmm. So I want to be the armor bearer. I want to, like, here's a sword. In fact, here's ten swords. Here's a hundred swords. Here's a thousand swords. Yeah. Take them and use them as you see fit. And so we do as many as we can. Now you own all the equipment. Now it's your, you have your own equipment that's your church is using year round. Yes, um, all volunteer hours. Churches are coming in to mm -hmm. assist in that work, put their hands to the plow, if you will. Yes, and produce Bibles that many of them will use themselves. Yes, so it's a very cool, very encouraging work. Um, young and old, everybody in between. You know, um, getting their hands on the pages of the Bible with the intention that they uh, share that with the whole world. It's yeah. pretty amazing. The assembly process, I mean, you can't help but pray over the Scripture as you're putting them together. Uh, pray over who's going to get them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know I've heard, and you may have heard uh, Pastor Alan Shelby say many times before that, you know, there's probably, for every piece of Scripture that goes out, it probably seven people will read the Scripture that 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 particular piece. Mm. So if you're sending out a hundred thousand of them, you get seven hundred thousand possible reaches of you know the gospel, um, you know to get to to get to somebody else. Yeah. And so, um, so you're praying over every one of those people that possibly will read the Bible, read the New Testament, the John and Romans, whatever, even tracks. We're able to do tracks now. Uh, you know, we we have a printer. It's not as it's not it won't print the signatures yet. We'll have, we'll get to that one day if God wants us to. We'll we'll get a different kind of printer that we mm -hmm. can print that kind of paper. Sure. paper but sure. But um, you know we can do tracks and we can do John and Romans and things like that and and uh, and then people put those those together and assemble them, whether it's glue bound or staple bound or whatever. But yeah, we do own all of the equipment. Um, 
and we we need to replace our some of our equipment unfortunately yeah, yeah. um I, I want to talk about how people can give and support the, the the work of the ministry because as you just mentioned i mean equipment does need to be updated not to mention there is a there's a cost associated with the sacrifice you guys aren't trying to make any money but no. you're trying to support the work so it's sustainable long term and and donation is a, a big part of that. So I do want to talk about that. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, um, yeah, we 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 attempt in all way at all points possible to try to give missionaries, even church planters, local or even in uh, in, in other countries, um, the tools that they need, and we try to do it to them as a gift. Mm-hmm. We try to give it to them as a gift. And yeah, we're 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 not in the business of making money. Um, there's a lot of print houses out there that sell Bibles. Yeah. You, you know, any store you go to, somebody's making money off the printing of the, uh, printing of the Word of God. We, we don't do that. We try to, we do take donations to help pay for the paper, to pay for the ink, to pay for the shipping, and so on. And, uh, and, but it's, it's there is a, there's, there's a cost to us, but we don't try to pass that on to right. the end user, the right. the end person. How do people, or where do people go if they want to make a donation like that? So, um, we have a website for the ministry. Unfortunately, that's one of those things that I've kind of let slip. But it's called Word First Bible Publishing. Mm-hmm. So uh, they can go to the word. They can go there, and there's a button right on the front page, donate here, or they could go to our church's website and uh, go to the donate page on the church's website, and there's a link. To the, yeah, Heartland Baptist it. Fellowship yeah. in mm-hmm. Harrisonville. Um, tell us some of the most recent projects that you've done. So we're in the process right now of uh, producing Spanish Bibles. Uh, we've got approximately 10,000 Bibles that we're working on, and we've got another f- three to 4,000 English Bibles that we'll be doing as soon mm-hmm. as we finish with that. So our biggest work that we're doing right now is English and Spanish. Okay. And uh, so there are several missionaries in, in uh, Mexico that we get them to. And then uh, the English Bibles, most of them go to Jamaica, and they're also used for smaller uh, ministries like um, Maple City Baptist Church, and uh, one of the 100 Bibles for their jail ministry. So mm-hmm. we just finished that up. And we're and then you up. did some work in Hungary too, right? We, for we, uh, we didn't put, assemble those, but I was able to acquire Bibles that were already done mm. sitting on the shelf someplace. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were able to get those to, to Kale. And uh, he just posted in Facebook about those. Yeah. What a fantastic resource yeah. you guys have been to support missionaries in that so, way. So we may not do the assembly. We may not do the printing but we want to be involved in, in moving the Bibles from point A to point B. So yeah. that's what we did with him. And that's we also did a, we sent some Bibles to Benin, uh, Africa, in West mm-hmm, Africa, mm-hmm. Um, through a, a, a missionary um, a ministry in Arkansas that had a contact there. And so we send them Bibles. If people want to get involved or if they have questions about about Bible stuff, they can also find your contact information on the website, I suppose. Or do you have a uh, an email address that you want people to reach you at? Uh, you can just send my make contact me directly. My email is rfoster at hbfcast.org. Cool. And they should do that. But uh, we are in the process. So those Bibles, we're actually, we have been working almost two to four times a month. And in August, we're get, we've got uh, eight days scheduled to work. Mm. So they, any any day on Wednesday... And then the, I think the 6th and the 20th of August, which is our Saturdays, you know, we'll be making Bibles. And people, if they want to come, just show up. And yeah. after you give you the little tour, we'll put you to work. Yeah, if you're in the KC Metro and you got a free Wednesday. Exactly. That's great. Even if a, even if it's an hour, just yeah. come for an hour. I mean, you don't have to dedicate the entire day. Not everybody can, but any any help is great. It is such a wonderful experience handling God's Word that way. And, and then just have the opportunity to reflect not just on where the word is going, but also where the word has come from, you know, yes. to, to handle it and be like, man, people have bled and died for this book century after century after century. It's so precious. And here we are one more time, um, you know, disseminating God's word, just the way it was intended to, to be shared. Well, it definitely helps. You know, I mean, we're English. And so when we're teaching the Bible to ourselves or having somebody teach the Bible, you know, we have an English Bible, and we know what they're saying, mm-hmm. and it's just, it just communicates, and it's all right there. If people don't have a Bible in their language, 
they're they're missing a major yeah. part of God speaking to them. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to be a part of that. So we just we have done uh, French Bibles. We've done uh, in fact we gave some Farsi children's Bibles uh, to a, some some uh, Afghan refugees in Kansas City, Kansas, a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, we've done French. We've done Chichewan, uh, uh, which is a, a Zambian language. Mm. Uh, we've done um, uh, Angolan. We've done uh, um, the country of Miramar or Burma. Mm. We've done we've done New Testaments for them. I think we've done probably ten different languages now. Yeah, wow. We've gotten Bibles going. One of the things that's most phenomenal, I think, uh, about about you and, and how God's using you. I mean, I'm sure you don't feel this way, but just in terms of observation and testimony, just how hard physically things have been recently over the last couple of years. Yeah. And yet, uh, you know, finding ways to continue to minister despite illness and sickness. And can you tell us a little bit about your diagnosis and, and where, where yeah. you're at physically, but how God has used it in your life? So, um, so I have uh, uh, what's called glioblastoma. That's the medical term. It's a tumor, a tumor in my brain. Uh, and uh, it is of all the tumor types that you could have in your brain. This unfortunately had happened to be the worst of of all of them. Um, and uh, it's uh, the prognosis is generally about sixteen months. Um, and so, uh, but a, a, a right, it's amazing. I just say that today is the thirtieth of, of July. Mm-hmm. It's been ten two years and ten months since I was diagnosed wow. as of today. So praise God. Uh, that's I don't I had to do the math, but that's thirty four months mm-hmm. versus sixteen months. Mm-hmm. So God has kept me around for a long time. So I had surgery about eight days after I was diagnosed. Uh, I had radiation treatments, I had chemotherapy treatments, and then I wear, normally, you don't see it today, but normally I wear this thing on my head. Uh, it's called, it's by a company called Optune. Uh, and what it does is it provides an electrical field in my brain that kills cancer cells when they try to reproduce. Mm. So the, so um, it's a really good, and of course you can see my skin gets damaged after a while, so um, I have to take it. take a break. Take a break, yeah. yeah so. Um, but uh, overall, I'm doing well. Uh, the I usually get an MRI about once every two to three months, so I'm kind of due for one here in August. Um, but my last four or five MRI scans have shown a st- stableness that is actually pretty surprising for the, my doctors to see. I guess uh, not too surprising for us. Though. Not too surprising for me because it's, cool. it's in God's hands. Yeah, and um, it has been difficult at times. Uh, you know. Um, my, um, you know, physically it's been hard. I do, I do run out of steam. Some days I, I, I go all day and I'm just like, oh, I'm not even sick. I'm great. This mm-hmm. is good. And then there's some days I, I, I can't walk down the, down the street. I was mm-hmm. thinking coming up the, the stairs and like, Ooh, this is a long way up, but, yeah. I, but I did okay. You did good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, that can just be old age too, though. Well, some, some of, of it, some of it maybe. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling it. Each year that passes, those stairs get harder and harder to go so, up. Some of it is that, and yeah. I do blame some of it on age. But most of it is really because I think because of the thing I wear on my head with the current that's there, I get fatigued very easily, mm. and uh, um, so uh, it's I struggle with that sometimes. And then my memory. You know, I, I mean, I know the word I'm going to say, and then it's gone. And then, and I know that's an age thing too. So it's a combination of all of them. Sure. Stuff. But uh, uh, it it uh, so far I'm doing good. I'm doing, How's God using it in your life in terms of your faith? Uh, it just makes me just really trust Him more. Um, you know the uh, the reality that that uh, God ordained everything, and mm-hmm. He knows He knew this was going to happen, and He's using this. He's keeping me alive for whatever time frame He needs me, and uh, it's been good. It really has been. Um, it does present you know some issues, but but overall, God has, um, God has been mm-hmm. been my rock. Yeah, in all of this. Do you feel like it has um, fueled your ministry and given you even greater purpose in terms of the things you do? What it does is it, is it makes me trust Him and lean on on God more mm-hmm. because uh, I, I there's a lot of things I had to push through just to get the to get done what I need to get done. Uh, pre- preparing for a message, uh, delivering the message, teaching on Sundays sometimes is, is really challenging. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know that this is what God wants me to do, and so I just I'm just thankful 
for the Lord on all of that. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. And your church is growing and God's using you and um, it's cool that your, your Bible institute at the church is, is growing, going, yeah. going strong. And so it's really cool to see God's hand of blessing on you. And it reminds us that even when things are difficult, um, God's still with us and he still has an objective. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, that's the one thing I would like people to take from it is no matter what's happening in your life, uh, God, God has you in his hand. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he's going to protect you. And uh, no matter what happens, well, first off, we all have a finite amount of time on this earth. Sure. We just don't know what that is. Yeah. And we need to use it, use the time we have effectively for the Lord yeah. as best we can. And so that's what I try to do. Oh, praise God. Randy, thank you for sharing your testimony with us. Thank you for sharing with us the call to the mission. There's so many young people in our Bible Institute who who are working through what the call looks like. Um, so your testimony in that regard is really a big deal. Uh, thanks for sharing about Word First and, and sharing about how God's using you even in the midst of your illness. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of all of this. It's been, been good. And questions have been... Uh, thought-provoking in my own mind and in my heart. So I appreciate that. We're grateful for your testimony. And even if it's just from a distance, you know, I I keep an eye on your Facebook page and see what you guys are up to down at Heartland all the time. And um, you guys are a blessing to us and and a real Mm -hmm. testimony of, of following Christ. So thank you. Thank you. And we want to thank you for joining us. For this episode of The Postscript, um, we do want you to be encouraged. When you hear testimonies like this, I know that the show, um, we always have these stories where where people share what's going on in their life. Uh, We hope that you hear yourself in those stories too. And if there are things in your life uh, that seem, you know, difficult, catastrophic, traumatic, and you're thinking, how do I move forward in faith? Um, There's a way. And God's Word does provide us uh, with what we need to be encouraged and strengthened in the work that God has before us. And Randy is just one of many testimonies uh, that remind us of that. And so be full of faith. We love you. We're grateful for you. If you've got questions about LFBI, visit lfbi.org. You can also find all of our episodes at thepostscriptshow.com. We love you. We're grateful for you. And we can't wait to spend time with you again next Monday for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.